You're listening to the Movie of the Week podcast, a podcast about movies which we review every week or until they shut us down. Welcome to another episode of the Movie of the Week podcast. I'm Jim. This is Drew. And this is Jacob. Sit back and relax as we talk about this week's movie, Dune. 1984. In the distant future, several households compete for power and control of the planet Arrakis, also known as Dune. All right, let's jump into our spoiler-free section for the review. Um, <laughs> some, what's some spoiler-free information we can give out for this? Uh, is it family-friendly? Uh, kind of. Maybe. <laughs> they don't show anything. No, no. Nothing too inappropriate. Uh, no. I, I don't remember what the rating was. It depends. How good are you with bad CG, bad special effects? <laughs> and very large floating guys. <laughs> Technically, they were naked. Oh, now I can get that in my... Thank you very much, Drew. Thank you. <laughs> well, it, and they it is PG-13, so... Really? Yeah, PG-13. That makes sense. You know. Uh, what year did they add the 13 to uh, the PG rating that you could do? Uh, I'm not sure, but I know Temple of Doom was one of the reasons they added it. Yeah, so like mid- mid-80s? Well, this isn't. This was 84. Now, I don't know if it was originally PG-13 or if that's an updated uh, rating. Yeah. So, Check the Googles. But it makes sense that it is PG-13, I think. Right. Um, this is definitely sci-fi for sci-fi nerds. Yeah. Unless you are a pert nerd who read the book. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's one of those films that has, it's a love letter to the fans and the book. The first half is. Yeah. 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 The second half, not to get too far into it, was they crammed so much in, they left all the nuance out. Yeah. And if you're one of the, if you... Don't fall into either either of those parties. You're going to be, huh? Well, most of it. I, mean, I I caught most of what was going on. Right. I could follow the story, but it was so condensed in information that it was at parts it was hard to follow. Yeah, I, I I would say there is some of that. Like you really, this would this would be a great one to have on Amazon or something. So you can. <laughs> So you, and and hope that it lists like when you move your mouse on Amazon, it lists mm. the actors and who they're playing. Yeah, um, yeah, and, and that's what I was doing. I was like really wishing that I could uh, that I could see who everybody was through the whole movie, and I probably could have pulled up some notes, I'm sure, and done this better. But right. there was a lot of me going, "Who is that? Why are they important?" It's Picard. He's <laughs> important because he's Picard. Yeah, I, I knew I knew Picard. <laughs> I, I know uh, um, McLaughlin. Yeah. Um, I know him from several shows. Um, I did not recognize any other actor besides Patrick Stewart. I'm oh wow! Sorry, I just the didn't. the lead actor I recognized. I just couldn't recognize him from anything else. Well, he's he, what he was. He plays from. a lot of secondary characters. This was his first real film. I think. Yeah, that's what I read. Also, PG thirteen was introduced on July first, nineteen eighty four. Okay, so yeah. So this is one of the first PG thirteen movies. All righty. Probably made to be a PG-13 movie. Yeah. That feels very PG-13. Yeah. So, that makes sense. Did shy away from the one F-bomb they were allowed, though. Yeah. Yeah. Well, back then, that wasn't as prominent, I would say, being yeah. used, even if they were allowed one. 
Yeah, that that falls more into the like the late eighties into the nineties. Yeah, especially yeah. with it being science fiction, and they're probably trying to market it somewhat towards yeah. teenagers in general. Mm-hmm. Um. But anyway, I mean, really, I don't know what else we need to say before jumping into the spoiler-free sec, spoiler-filled section of this. Uh, if you like sci-fi, you ought to give it a shot, at least so you know whether you like it or don't, because it's very right. much yeah. a mixed especially, group of people. Especially if you like pulpy, uh, campy sci-fi, like uh, bu- uh, Buck Flash, Rogers? Flash Gordon and stuff like that. Yeah, This is very much in that camp. Right. Um, Pardon the pun. Yeah, I mean it, it's got a it's it's very much sci-fi, <laughs> and there there are some cool elements to it. But yeah, we'll get into that in just a minute. So I guess if there's nothing else, here we go. Uh, let's jump into our spoiler-filled section. If you are afraid of spoilers, don't like them, or would rather avoid them, now is your time to pause it and make sure to come back after you finish watching the film. Uh, if you don't mind spoilers, just uh, hang out, and we'll get started here in just a second. Um. All right, guys. Uh, <laughs> I like I turned this movie on and I tried to have no opinion going in to begin with. I went, OK, I've heard good. I've heard a lot of bad. Uh, and I really love the intro of this movie. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, where. Uh, oh, uh, hold on. Was it Virginia something? Uh, Virginia um, Madsen, uh, yeah. who plays uh, Princess. uh What's her name? Um, Princess Ir- Irulan or something? Yeah, Irulan. Something like that. She's uh, she's she's the one who does the the narrating for the film. I think this this uh, what we call it a, a prologue. Yeah, it's pretty much a prologue. Yeah, yeah pretty much a prologue, I, which if, is in the book. If I remember correctly, this was actually tacked on at the last minute because they were trying to help the audience understand what's going on. Because if you didn't have this prologue, you'd be like. What's going on? <laughs> and I'm sure that's true of all the times they had people s- speaking internally. Yeah. For you to know what they're thinking. And I was like, no, this is get- after the third one. And it wasn't even, you know, the people I would assume would be quote unquote psychic. Yeah. <laughs> where it made sense. And it's just some <coughs> random person that's like, stop that. That's so annoying. Yes. This must be how that original cut of Blade Runner is. Well, okay, so like, I actually didn't hate the internal monologue stuff. I felt like it was a handy way for us to get an idea what was going on. Agreed. Again, in this film, there's a lot of... I I understand that, but a movie should not have to depend on something like that. No, it shouldn't. I, I completely agree. But I think in the case of this film, without it, we would have been lost. (laughs) <laughs> Agreed. Especially if you've not read the book. Right. That was, that's the thing. I have read the book. So I, well, I, it's been a while. I knew what was happening. Sure. So when someone pops in and says something, I go, nah, I, I know that. Move on. Yeah. <laughs> There's only a couple places where I thought it really worked. One of those was when uh, they get they get the still suits for the first time, and that guy's going to take them out into the desert to see uh, the factory, mm-hmm. Spice Factory. And he mentions part of the prophecy. Not that anyone who is watching the movie knows that's what he's quoting. Yeah. <laughs> but at least that made some sense. He's, yeah, it's that part where he quotes, um, he'll know your customs as if you were born to them. Well, see, I mean, by that point, I, I could already gather that's what they were talking about. Because they had already said that he's this prophetic guy. 
essentially yeah, yeah, or was a, maybe the prophetic a, guy so but they don't do a good job of t- telling you that he's prophetic from three different angles <laughs> he's fulfilling three different uh religions prophecies at the same friggin' time yeah yeah they, they they do it like i said i think that's the biggest problem to begin with with this film is there's there's an expectation of knowledge that when they mm-hmm. probably first started putting it together they went oh they'll know or they'll they'll get it, and then afterwards they probably had their first uh, showing of it, you know, private screening, yeah. an idea, and everyone went. I have no idea what's going on, yeah, yeah. except for the two or three people who were there who had seen who had read the book. Right. Yeah. And those people were already pissed off that the second half has it explains <laughs> it goes into so little of what the story there is. Yeah. That uh, it, it's almost most of it's completely worthless well they go through stuff so stinking fast that you don't even have time to think why was this scene important mm-hmm. and then the entire the birth of uh, his sister is done a off screen <laughs> and b you only know about it because there was a, a quick monologue from the narrator saying and Aurelia was born and she had all the powers <laughs> of a reverend mother yeah it's yeah like, and I, I had to stop and go who is this? Oh yeah, her. Okay, where is yeah. she? Oh, she's the little nun thing running around. <laughs> <laughs> and, no. and she shows. And you can tell the only reason they kept her in there is because they had to have somebody go yell at the emperor during the last to go taunt the emperor yep. throughout the last half of the movie. Now, um, help me out with this word because I'm. I'll probably butcher it. Uh, it's one of the made up ones. I'll no, 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 no. There's expedition dump. I, I'm saying exposition dump. Exposition dump. There is a huge amount of exposition dump in this movie. Yeah. Be the like, entire movie is exposition dump. Yeah, it is. Exactly. And it doesn't even explain everything. Right. No, it doesn't. Right. It's, it's like they tore out half the pages and went, this will do. Here you go. Yeah, uh, right. This, this movie definitely. Then, oh, go ahead. Uh, it, even then, it doesn't do a good job of actually, despite the fact they tore large portions of the script straight from the book. Yeah. It still does not tell you what's going on. It, they, it's like they tore the main points, but they completely missed the point of the entire story. Yeah. Yeah. And the fact that uh, David Lynch, the director, has disowned this movie. Yeah. Yeah. He's his, he, he will rarely actually, ever speak about it. I'm actually surprised the version I, I watched actually credited him as director because I know he had pretty much said he didn't want his name listed. Well, yes. I think it's like the special edition version be like, actually, they put someone else's name but then they put it, his his name on it yeah, well they and it's weird go ahead they have like okay so they put on a couple of movies it's put judas booth has been, yeah which is like just a, a, a an anonymous sort of this is uh not me or i don't like it so he used i guess two hated names yeah. and then uh also a com his, it has been replaced before with alan smithy which is a common pseudonym directors use who don't want to be associated with it. I gotcha. And also another interesting fact that David Lynch had the opportunity to direct Star Wars the Return the The Return of the Jedi originally, but he turned it down to do this film. Oh. And he's gone on a record saying this was the worst mistake I've ever made. I wish I had never made this film. I think a lot of especially people since do. He, especially since he did not have uh, final cut approval. No, he didn't. Yeah. He, 
they didn't give him the chance to go back and make a director's cut till so far in the future. Uh, so far past that point, he no longer cared. Yeah. yeah. Uh, he just, there's just no love. He has no love for this movie that he made. Mm-hmm. And honestly, I don't uh, begrudge him that. It, don't get me wrong. I enjoy this movie for what it is. It just has a lot of problems. Yeah. And a lot of it, because in my viewing, I'm watching on um, Amazon Prime Video, and I get towards the very, like the very back end of the movie where they're learning the special technique how to use your voice to destroy things. Yeah, the weirding way. The weird, yeah, definitely. The weirding way. Yeah, the weirding way. That's what it's called. Yes. Weirding way. And so, at that point, be like, okay, I'm going to fix dinner. I'm going to pause this. Be like, I get my food. I sit back down. I turn it back on. And less than two minutes later, it's like, okay, I'm going to stop and eat because my head's hurting trying to figure out what's going on in this film. (laughs) I was quite literally getting a headache watching this movie. Well, that's the portion where they were fast-forwarding. Yeah, jeez. Yeah. The last three quarters of the book. Right. They spent so much time. I, I agree on, with you. Uh, all the stuff that led up to why they had to go seek out the Fremen, that yeah. the entire portion where they're with the Fremen is fast-forwarded through, which is where, like, most of the story actually is. Yeah. Well, and this is this is why I'm really glad they're remaking this film. Um, yeah. You know, we live in an era with better tech, better uh, better CGI, uh, bigger budgets. And a lot more willingness for uh, audiences to sit through a three-hour Exactly. Movie, that was, that was going to be my next point, is the, the fact that we now are okay writing, uh, sitting for a three-hour movie. Also... If they decided they wanted to split it into a two-part film, this is the kind... We live in that world now. Yeah. yeah. I mean, um, it's not something that's weird or rare anymore. It's, right. it's very common. Um, I mean, I guess it doesn't happen all the time that they split them, but you know, regularly enough that most people are going to go, okay, the only downside for this and splitting it, which I don't think they're going to, uh, would be that it's... It's not a product that everyone expects to make a fortune and making it into two films where they would have like uh, a chance that the first part would bomb yeah. would just ruin. Uh, yeah, you would never be able to release the second one. Well, either that or it would come out as a, a direct to video or, a, yeah. or whatever, yeah. you know, or they might just go, oh, I don't want to finish the project because you hated the first part. So we're just going to scrap it. Mm. And uh, yeah. I would say on this, on the new one, if they were to focus on like the, the uh, from the assassination attempt where the Harkonnens take over, mm-hmm. uh, if they start from there to the end and just do like flashbacks every once in a while where it makes sense to the original, uh, the first part of that. Yeah, it would be that would be that's how I would do it because yeah. they really most of that story is in the part they fast forwarded through. Yeah, yeah, uh, it was. <laughs> Well, it was definitely the pacing is so off on this film. I mean, it is like you said, the first half of it, you're going, okay, we've got a lot of detail, we've got people talking, we've got a lot of stuff going on, and then you get to the the second half of the film plus, and it's like, uh, wait, what happened? We've got a lot going on, yeah, yeah. and very little explanation. Uh, and the the one pro- the one part that confused me the most is where our main character goes to what is the people Fremen. on the Fremen, the Fremen, like goes to the Fremen, uh, 
it's like oh be like you're you're the you're the prophet one or what have you and be like you're gonna go through this and this and this and this but then all of a sudden be like oh you have to go and ride the worms or be like yeah, tame the worms that's it was something like, the movie huh? does not explain no there's no explanation whatsoever one of the reasons one of the things he was having to do in, from the this is from the book along with taking his place among the fremen people he had to go through all the fremen rituals and all yeah. the things they had to do in order to become a man and become a full member of the tribe right and one of those is to uh, capture a worm and ride it, and he happened to get the biggest one the, the, that group of fremen had ever seen. Right, thus signifying he is indeed the prophesied one. <laughs> yeah, what was it? Uh, and the movie does not explain that at all. It's just like, hey, you want to see giant uh, worms? Because that's what Dune's known for. Here's the biggest one, biggest model we can make for you. Yeah, yeah. Now, I, I, I am going to give the movie some credit where credit is due in this film. The fact that be like you have a lot of uh, Giger inspired motifs with characters with like costume and backgrounds that have very much that H.R. Giger feel because this was around this was only a couple of this was like a couple of years after Alien came out. Did H.R. Giger do the worms? Uh, uh, no, it was like throughout be like the costumes and the okay. backgrounds. There, there's a lot of H.R. Giger... Inspiration, in, yeah, yeah. Inspiration, because... If, well, I don't know how else you design the still suits. Yeah, because originally, Giger was was in charge of design of this film, but he eventually dropped out. But a lot of his influence is still throughout, so you can see it. Mm-hmm. Well, and that was a huge thing, definitely, during that time. Well, there was a lot of people who were originally supposed to be doing this, or in the, you know... Mm-hmm. to do this i think they even had ridley scott um yep talking about doing the film uh but then that fell through so um you know or they you know hired Lynch. he was too busy with blade runner huh i'm guessing i'm guessing he was too busy with blade runner maybe maybe i don't know i'm not certain on all that but yeah but yeah i, I i'll agree with you though jacob i think I, I, one of the things that's kind of cool about this is the it has that very 80s sci-fi uh, does. that doesn't necessarily age in some ways, like in a bad way. Uh, yeah. You look at like the, the, you know, again, like mentioned alien, you can look at star Wars and a lot of stuff. It has, mm-hmm. you look at the ships early in the film and throughout, and you look at some of the different, uh, costuming themes and whatnot. It does carry that same influence, uh, kind of, uh, same style with it, that dark, uh, yet kind of realistic, um, costuming and, and, you know, equipment. It's pretty cool. I, I that was one of the things I really liked about the film. Um, I like again the other thing I really another part I really like is the narration. I thought the narration's good and it was helpful, um, even if it was added at the last minute to help us out. I think that's uh, one of the better parts uh, for me. There are some good actors though in this film. Not a ton, but a few uh, that people would know. Like I said, uh, like we mentioned earlier, um, you know, you've got. Uh, uh, Kyle McLaughlin, uh, uh, Linda Hunt's in there. <clears throat> you know, I don't know if everybody knows her, but she's like four foot tall and easily. Oh yeah. Uh, if you saw yeah, she's cur- yeah, she's currently on a uh, NCIS LA. One of those, I don't know. And uh, is that the one that played the uh, maid? The maid at the at the 
comp- main compound? Yeah. Yeah. Can't remember her name. Yeah. Uh, she's, she's a one scene primarily. Yeah, she's she's in yeah. a couple of scenes, but yeah, one primarily. I'm pretty sure. Um, she plays uh, shut out Mapes. Yeah, I figured that was her. She's uh, she's known for being in Kindergarten Cop, um, and just a little bit of this, that, and the other, especially during like uh, early '80s and '90s. Um, but she's in a little bit. She was in Solo. Um, she was a voice actress for that. But she, uh, okay. sorts of stuff. She's been working. And also, her. and also, I think she was an inspiration for a certain character in The Incredibles. Yes, I would yes. bet she was because she looked very much like. Her. Yes. Uh, so you know, I don't know. I don't know if that's true or not, but it would make sense. If you... It does make sense. So, um, or at least some way inspiration for oh, what's her name? I just drew a blank. Um, Edna Mode. Edna, Edna Mode. Mode. Yeah. No capes. No capes. Um, yeah, but I mean, you also, like I said, you also get Virginia Madsen. She's good, but she's only in a little of this film, and again, she does the narration. Uh, most of the others, I didn't know anybody off the top of my head. Patrick didn't... Stewart. Oh, yeah. sorry. Except for except for Patrick Stewart. Sir Patrick oh, wait. Stewart. And then That's not like... only do we get Patrick Stewart, um, we get uh, what was his name? Uh, uh, um, hold on. I'm gonna look it up because I can't remember. The guy from Quantum Leap. The guy from Quantum Leap. Yes, that guy. Uh, what's his name? Uh, said both Samuel Red, no, uh, and Dean Stockwell. Uh, no, Robert Dean Stockwell. Yeah, yeah, yeah Stockwell. Stockwell. Yeah, yeah. He's in it. Um, he plays the uh, the doctor who betray- who betrays yeah. everybody. Oh, and we can't forget Sting is in it. Yes. Oh yeah. <laughs> the quote unquote main. Villain. There's a lot of people yeah. in here. I wouldn't say Sting is a great actor in this, but he's in it. Yeah, he's good. He's just, uh, for for his role, he did a fairly good. Sure, job. sure. Just jump back to Patrick Stewart. I have to mention my favorite shot of him is when they're getting ready to uh, take back the uh, uh, storm the emperor's uh, palace there mm-hmm. at the end, and you've got Patrick Stewart there with these long, luxurious gray hair. But he's still <laughs> bald on top. Yep, yep. <laughs> it's like, why on earth did you do that? Surely he they allow them to shave still. Yeah. They've also got uh, in it Brad Dorif, who um, I know from like Deadwood, uh, where he plays the doctor in town. But he's also known for playing uh, the voice of Chucky in Child's Play. Uh, mm. So, you know, I mean, there are, there are a few people in here. Um, also, Max von S- uh, Sydow's in there. You know, I remember mm-hmm. seeing him in the film. Uh, but yeah, he was in uh, Force Awakens. Yeah, very much so. For like five seconds. For five seconds, <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I mean, there there are some good actors in there. Uh, some of them were new at the time, or just, and some of them weren't popular. And mm-hmm. but you know, I think I think the acting's pretty solid for the most part. Um, I I think the biggest thing falls to the way they put it together and the writing uh, yeah. of the screenplay. Mm-hmm. Um, and then again, the hard part is I haven't read the screenplay, so I can't. I, it's tough to say that. Because it could have more to do with the directing, could have more to do with uh, pressure from production. Who knows? Uh, I, I I couldn't tell you. But it feels like there's some writing issues, obviously, in the adaption from the book to the screenplay. Mm-hmm. So I don't know for sure, though. I kind of got the feeling the screenplay was about a hundred pages longer than what they actually produced. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, because what was it? The uh, David Lynch wanted this film to be like four hours long. That probably would have been smart. Need that much. Yeah, because 
David Lynch originally wanted it for the studio wanted it to be like no, no, it was something like yeah, it was somewhere on those lines that David Lynch wanted it for the studio wanted it at three, yeah, and then it got cut down to like an hour and well, it's just over two. Minutes. It's just over two. It's two hours and fifteen minutes. Yes. Yeah, two hours and sixteen minutes. Yeah, because believe me, I was counting when I was watching this. Unless you watch the TV version, which yeah. Is longer. Yeah, it's over right. three hours. Yeah, which I haven't which seen I, that. I didn't see that one either. I don't know if it. Maybe one day we'll watch it and we can see if it makes a difference. Yeah, it's the special edition, and yeah. <laughs> but I, I know that uh, Lynch wasn't a fan of that either. So no. <laughs> yeah, Lynch. Lynch is primarily known for. Uh, oh, what is that TV show he's known for? Uh, Twin Peaks. Yeah, Twin Peaks. He, he's, yeah. he's primarily known for Twin Peaks. Well, isn't the main actor from this in Twin Peaks too? Uh, I think so. I think so. I think so. I think I remember, like, I watched part of an episode of Twin Peaks. That's about as much as I got into that show. Um, But, yeah, I'm pretty sure he's in it. Yeah, yeah, he's in it. I think he's the main guy uh, in the show. So, Uh, yeah, he's he's the the highest listed person on all of that. But, yeah, uh, I, like, when I hear David Lynch, I, I, I always get start thinking of someone else i think instead of david lynch but i know he's done several things i just like besides this i couldn't tell you uh let's see eraser head <laughs> elephant man there you go that's something good uh yeah. love it and twin peaks uh let's see yeah yeah every iteration of twin peaks he's directed yeah well, there's only two, isn't there? Uh, there's there's two there, different shows, and there's, then there's two different shows, and there's two different there's two oh, different yeah. movies yeah. that are all directed by David Lynch. Mm. And and to think he gave up directing <laughs> a Star Wars film just because it what it was more Lucas's vision than his vision, so he went and did Dune. And apparently, he didn't even get to make his own director's cuts. No, I'm guessing like, they didn't want to give him too much control. No, and apparently he hated the experience so much he would never want to do it again. Yeah. Well, so when when your director hates the film, that's never a good sign. Uh, no, it's not. Yeah, it's not. Um, I don't know. I would like <laughs> this film is definitely. Um. Special, <laughs> I guess, for lack of a yeah, just, just a little bit. Yeah, I I think, well, like we said, it has some good qualities. It does, it it is missing some stuff, and part of that is the fact that it seems smushed together, like they often do with books. And that's the the hardest thing about uh, taking a book and turning it into a movie is staying true to the book and keeping it under three or four hours long. You know, I mean, I guess some aren't so hard to do that, but, you know. This one, I mean, the book itself is so deep. Yeah. That, that in order to even touch it, you've got to give yourself a pretty decent runtime. Well, and I... Honestly, but you have to also weigh that with, is it going to make a movie that people are going to come into the movie, th- movie theater to see? So. Sure. True. And I think with science fiction in general, you need to have 
a bit more time because yeah, uh, science fiction fantasy you're setting up a whole new situation, a whole new world, new mm-hmm. uh, universe, whatever. And if you're you've got to explain a lot, that has to cut into some of your time. Yeah, either by showing us or telling us or whatever, you're going to take a little extra time. And I think if you're not prepared to have a long movie, um, well, I think I think with science fiction fantasy, you've also got to know what is the important things that we need to explain, and yeah. what can we just leave as an Easter egg for the people who read the book. Yeah. And not go in to explain what it is. This movie does not know how to do that balance. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And that's what I feel its main problem is. Because for the first hour, it's focused. It's actually, it's it's not exactly point for point. They've rearranged some stuff to make it a more interesting tale in a, for a movie. Sure. But it's too, this event, this event, this event, uh, they almost go into an explanation of how the 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 worm guys work and how they transfer uh, the spaceships from one side of the galaxy to the other without actually moving. But at the same time, do you really need to know how they're doing that? Yeah. Especially when you do, the movie does not even focus on why they're interested and in making <clears throat> sure that Paul Atreides is not allowed to keep going. And really, even the witch's plot is almost unimportant for the story, for for, yeah. for the for the way the way the movie focuses on it. The uh, and they only just barely touch on it. And if you don't know, if you don't haven't read the book and don't know why all the stuff they're mentioning is important, it feels like useless information. Yeah, especially when they do not touch on those plot lines for almost the entire rest of the movie. Well, and again, I think this is one of those situations where, like, Dune is a great universe for a series of movies if you want to make them. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's got so much depth. And this is what you do when you create a world in a book. Mm -hmm. You're going to sit and you're going to write everything. You've got the religions. You've got the the, how everybody travels, how everything. Honestly, I think this would work better for a uh, serialized TV show than it would. Absolutely. And that's what. Give it to. Put it on HBO. Yeah. And just go as far and wide and depth you want with the series, and people will watch it. Or even sci-fi or something. I mean, sci-fi yeah. could probably do it if they had faith in the project. Yeah, and if you're fine with us, and if you're fine with slightly cheesy effects. Well, I mean, you know, or putting on FX. FX does The Walking yeah. Dead and does a pretty good job. Uh, that's yeah. uh, that's AMC. Oh, sorry, AMC. I'm thinking of. Yeah. Anyway, FX, AMC, AMC one of those mid-tier, uh, you know, cable channels. Uh, yeah. Something where they've got a budget and they can promote a show pretty well. Sci-fi is such a, I mean, I guess it is just such a little product sometimes, and they're okay putting out right. cheap movies. So, and especially, well, that's the nice thing about this one is for the most of it, you can film out in a desert and around caves, and yeah. you've got most of your setting. Yeah. yeah, it's not like you've got every episode. It's not like Star Trek where you have to show the spaceship every five shots. Yeah, yeah, five times throughout the show. Well, so you know, this could also work on some online platform like Netflix or any of those because mm-hmm. again, yeah, they give you ten good episodes and you may not even get through the first. I mean, through half this, get mm-hmm. all the in-depth stuff, all the character building, right. all the other things. And you could slow your pace down. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's the main. That's this movie's main problem is mm-hmm. it's trying to give you both detail 
but also trying to finish the first book in the first movie. <laughs> How many books yeah, are there? Do you know? this down in like two Tons. and a half hours. There, there's a bunch. Uh, let me look right quick. I think it's there's at least five. Yeah, I was going to guess five. Uh, I, I think there's actually more. Frank Herbert originally wrote one, two, three, four, five, six books. Okay. With Dune, Dune Messiah, Children of Dune, God Emperor of Dune, Heretics of Dune, and then Chapter House Dune. Then his son Brian Herber and Kevin J. Anderson wrote uh, three books. And then there was another Legends of Dune series. It's another three books. And they are, looks like all they were still making a... There's a, the newest mo- movie uh, book in the series was made in 2016. So Kevin J. Anderson did some? That's awesome. Yeah, he partnered with uh, Brian Herbert, okay. which, is, which is his son, I believe. Well, Anderson's a good writer, so and I it know looks that. like it looks like they've wrote most of these. Okay, I didn't realize that. Okay, um, okay, guys, and that's not even getting into the short stories. Yeah, yeah, and, and comics. Uh, what else do we need to say before we rate this? I have a love hate relationship with this with this movie special effects. <laughs> yeah. Because here's the thing, I love goofy special effects. Like I love the shields throughout this <laughs> oh, movie, gosh. even though they look stupid. So bad. They are so bad, but they're so bad. I enjoy them. Yeah. But as bad as those are, I don't. I think that all pales in comparison to how they handle the blue of, of the Fremen's eyes. Yeah. Because oh, boy, so, can you tell all so they did was uh, do a quick. Uh, what's that animation technique? Um, what's, what they use with the lightsabers in Star Wars. Star oh, Wars. Uh, rotoscoping. Rotoscoping. You can tell they just rotoscoped a blue filter <laughs> over all their eyes. Yeah. yeah. And in some cases, if you're if you're paying attention, especially on uh, a pretty decent cut of the a pretty decent uh, version of the movie, you can see where they don't quite stay on the eyes as people turn their heads. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's like they're kind of following, but they're kind of not. It's like, oh dear goodness. <laughs> Especially that last scene where you've got Patrick Stewart yeah. and uh, Kyle McLaughlin and half the Fremen army standing on there. And they've all got these glowing blue eyes, and which that's not how it was described. I don't think they described the eyes as glowing in the book. Just being blue, yeah. Just being, Just being blue. Yeah. blue. The whites of the eyes was, was a light blue, and the irises are a dark blue. That's how it was described, and here it's just like, no, we're just going to make them all the same color, no matter what the lighting is. I, I just and, ha- it's, it, and it's completely inconsistent. That's true. Very the entire movie. <laughs> At one point, our main character has blue eyes before. Be like, I think well, his first encounter with the Freyan, and yeah. I may have pronounced the wrong Fremen. name wrong, but the whole Fremen army, the whole Fremen army. <laughs> But be like in one scene, be like he has blue eyes, and the next scene he doesn't. Then everybody yeah. else has blue eyes. Yeah, it's like now I will consistency, say, people. Yeah, I will. I will say, still going on the special effects, the model work done for the giant sandworms. Those I, were very those, good. That was done very good. Yeah. Although the scene where he's riding a sandworm, <laughs> that is the worst back shot, uh, back screen shot i have ever seen in a in a professional movie yeah it was pretty bad airplane where it was intentionally bad yeah you could do that on a budget now yeah a very cheap budget well that's not what the people who made uh the mandalorian did no well those they had a million dollars per but or ten million dollars per budget and i think they were using 
the ones left over from uh, Jungle Book. Probably. Anyway. Yeah. I think that's about all I wanted to say about the special effects. I I think we've squeezed enough spice out of this to, you know, give a verdict. Well, I've decided uh, Fremen is a great substitute for a curse word after your whole Fremen army statement. Like like frickin', but Fremen. I think I'm gonna use it. Well, if you if you combine that with the fake cuss word I came up with back during uh, uh, Harley Quinn, <laughs> you say they're the they're Fremen jackalopes. Oh yeah, there you go. <laughs> Fremen, you Fremen jackalope. Yep. All right, and people were like, "Huh? <laughs> <laughs> what? Yeah. Yeah. Let anyway. me explain. Oh, that's what that means. Anyway, <laughs> mustache yeah. monkeys." Anywho. Precisely. Mustache monkey. Yep. Anyway. Are we ready to actually give ratings for this thing? I think we have to. Um, yeah. Uh, who wants to go first? <laughs> I'm giving this a 3.5, uh, which might be higher than y'all are giving it. I don't know. Uh, it's it's. I think it's a well... It, the story is good, even if they adapted it poorly. I think there's still enough of it there that if you've read the book, you can at least appreciate what they're trying to do. But between special effects, rushed final, and if you've read the books, having to hear everybody's inner monologue throughout the entire movie, including characters who don't (laughs) need to have an inner monologue, uh, it just wears on me enough that I can't rate it any higher than a 3.5, but I feel I can't really rate it any lower. So, yeah. <laughs> okay, so uh, for many of the, okay, so bec- like okay, so you said uh, it's got a good material from the book that makes the story good, but if you haven't read the story, it yeah, really like I, said, I, had, I do have an advantage in having read the book, right? So in in this case, as someone who hasn't and trying to pick it all up, and I like sci-fi and I like cheesy sci-fi. This was not intended to be cheesy sci-fi uh, in many ways, I think. No, it wasn't. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I just... I feel like there's too much inconsistency. The pacing is horrible. The special mm-hmm. effects go back and forth. Uh, there is there is a need to have people narrate and or tell you their inner thoughts throughout the film. And it does feel a little forced, though sometimes I enjoyed it. Um I feel like it just show and you know it just shows that the movie wasn't well done. Um, yeah, that's why I'm going to not give it for a lack two. Of trying. I would say it's it's not for lack of trying though. Sure. I just I, I think a lot we lost a lot in the editing bay. Sure. Yeah. I, I think I think it could have been better. I think there are lots of good little things in this film, but I think that's why it deserves a two. I would I considered a two and a half, but again. I think that unless you read the book, there is very little benefit to this film for somebody. Uh, You can look at it and go, oh, well, there's some cool elements, but the the movie is poorly done in story and in special effects in many ways and in consistency in both of those. Um, There are talented people involved, uh, but it just does not come together right. Maybe if we had got a director's cut, it could have been better. Uh, I mean, I would hope it could have been better because getting worse would have been bad. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with the two. Well, for me to emphasize my point, uh, we were at an uh, an event the other night, and so one of our friends who's a huge Dune fan 
who loves the movie. Well, a big sci-fi nerd, too. Big sci-fi nerd. So we mentioned Dune, and be like, I did not like this movie. And his jaw literally hits the floor. We're like, I don't think we can be friends anymore. <laughs> laughing anyways. So I did not like this movie. Uh, so I'm going to give it a one and a half. Woo! Okay, <laughs> honestly, so, that's fair. That's fair. Yeah. So with the with the fact to be like the point that Jim bring up bring up the fact to be like the the story is all over the place. I'm not a huge fan of cheesy sci-fi. I never have. And this well, movie. I know the film to torture you with then. Okay then. <laughs> um, story consistency. Um, the fact that the director disowned the movie itself. Be like you rarely ever hear about that. Um, and just so many other little factors be like, yes, there are certain little nitpicks here and there that are good about the story. Be like, yeah, it's got a, what I could see overall a story, but it's so jumbled up and it's so hard to follow because if you've never read the book or have any inkling about the movie, anything going on in the movie, you are lost, completely, utterly lost. And that's why I give it a one and a half. I do have a question, though. What's that? Since the music was done by Toto, could this insp- yes. could this have been what inspired yes. them to bless the rains down in Africa? I, I was thinking the same thing during the movie. Uh, I didn't realize Toto did. Yeah, Toto does the music. Um, and th- That's right, they do. Yeah. Yeah, and it was just kind of funny. I was like, who's Toto? Because my first thought is like, oh, Dorothy's dog did the music. <laughs> okay, this yes. is interesting. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, if there's nothing else, uh, this concludes our review of the movie Dune from 1984. You've been listening to the Movie of the Week podcast. If you'd like to follow Jim, you can find me at on Facebook and Twitter as Passive Creative, or on Instagram as Passive Creator. This is Drew, and you can follow me on my photo bin on Facebook. It's at Drew's Photo Bin. Uh, you can follow me on Letterboxd at GGeorge759, where I try to leave a review of every single movie we review. And then you can also follow me on Twitter at GGeorge759. You can find Jacob on Facebook at Jacob's Daily Art Corner, where I try to draw each and every day. You can also find me on Twitter at Jacob B. Heron. You can also listen to our sibling show that Jacob and I are on at thecellcast.podbean.com where we review animated movies. You can also listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play Podcasts, or wherever fine podcasts are sold. Please remember the opinions expressed in this podcast are for entertainment purposes and are those of the creators alone. At the end of the day, the only opinion that matters on whether or not you should watch a movie or whether you enjoy it is your own. As always, thank you for listening to the Movie of the Week podcast.